Hello, I'm Mark, and this is the Fast Track Impact podcast for researchers who want to be more productive and achieve real-world impacts from their research. So today I'm at University of Salford. I've uh, had the pleasure of just uh, delivering some training to uh, a bunch of mainly early career researchers, which has been fun. Uh, and um, I'm uh, here with uh, three colleagues, two from University of Salford, uh, one from University of Warwick, uh, because uh, I am a, a bit of a fan of, uh, of what is going on here in Salford and wanted to share what, uh, what I see as good practice here more broadly with others in the sector. Uh, and I think uh, this, uh, this week's episode is probably going to be um, more of interest to uh, those of you who are in professional services roles, uh, so researcher development, impact offices, um, uh, things like that. But uh, as a researcher, uh, listen to this and, uh, and ask yourself, uh, actually, am I catered for uh, enough? Uh, what are my training needs? Uh, and to what extent do I have a plan in my mind? And is there any coherence to this? Or is this pretty just pretty much just random? I need something now and I'm going to find something and yeah, it doesn't really all add up. Because uh, for me, one of the things that, that I've been in, uh, inspired most by is uh, hearing how in Salford and in Warwick um, there is a, a real long-term perspective on building capacity around impact and other issues that uh, is, is about really uh, understanding the needs of researchers and then tailoring a training package which goes over the course of years um, uh, in, a, in a very much uh, additive way. So it can, each step builds on the last um, and there are various points at which you check in and find out how people are getting on. Uh, and, uh, and, and to me, there's, there's a rigor, there's a depth to this that is, that is unusual uh, and something that I think that others um, can learn from. Uh, and um, and also the the way in which you you build opportunities for people to to build off of the things that they've just been at. So today uh, was was a great example. We're doing impact training, uh, and you're instantly advertising uh, a media training off the back of this, um, uh, and uh, and selling that to people. Apply what you've just learned today. This is your next step uh, where you go. So there's this real sense of coherence that I'm seeing running all the way through this. Um, so uh, I'd like to start uh, with, uh, with Emma Sutton. So Emma, you're uh, impact coordinator for University of Salford. You're in charge of the, the whole impact team here. Um, uh, and I think you were an impact officer before that, was that? No, no, no? no. This, is the this is the first time I've uh, been involved in impact. Um, I took over the role about a year and a half ago. So this is my first introduction to impact. Before that, I worked with the PGR community quite widely. But yeah, this, this is a completely new role for me. So I've been learning as I've been going along myself. So. Fantastic. So what I really, what I really like um, uh, about the, the training here in Salford is you've got this, this nice mix. Uh, you do some stuff in-house, you bring in experts uh, as required. Uh, and uh, as head of the impact team, you can see uh, not only what needs to be done for the urgent deadlines in the UK, we've got a, a research excellence framework deadline looming, um, but you keep a very clear sight on the long-term game of the capacity you need to build amongst uh, your research community at whatever level uh, around impact. And you're not getting too distracted uh, by, by the various scary deadlines that, that are coming up for your team. 
Um, and, and I think for, for many of the, the impact officers and others involved in, in impact, um, listening to this, I want to get a sense of, uh, of, of to what extent um, uh, when you're in an impact role in professional services, training should be part of your role. Now, for some people, it's written into their job description, they are expected to run training, uh, whether or not they've got any expertise or experience in that, I sometimes find, um, but, but you learn on the job uh, and great. Um, for others, it's not part of your job description, um, and it's something that people like Davina uh, and Sandy do, and we can come on to them in a moment, uh, and I don't really get too involved uh, in that. Um, so what can you do um, as professional services staff involved with impact to really proactively start to identify and meet needs and build capacity amongst your group of academics, and, and tell us a bit about your approach. Uh, yeah, as you mentioned, um, it is part of some impact coordinator or impact officer roles. It is a very small part of mine, but because I came into the role new, it wasn't something I had any experience of doing. I've never delivered training in my life. So it was, it's, again, that's been a bit of an upward curve in learning. Um, I have started doing a couple of workshops myself, but generally I do call on the expertise of Davina and her team to help me with that. And obviously outside help such as yourself, we have a couple of external trainers who come in to deliver impact workshops as well. Um, we also have a team of academic impact coordinators who kind of sit underneath me and I do call upon them to help me with, with aspects such as training as well. Um, but in terms of actually trying to build capacity over time now, um, we have in place um, a series of impact action plans with our key researchers who are engaging in, in impact. Um, it's mainly, it has mainly been with the REF in mind so far, but obviously we're looking to, to widen that out and it is a beyond REF. Uh, strategy. Um, so the impact action plan sets a series of objectives for the the uh, impact leads to try and develop their impact, whether it's for a case study or for funding or for whatever it might be for. Um, and that involves looking at what their training needs might be. Um, so we're trying to identify that and see where there are gaps in training so that I can then speak to Davina more closely with that and, and she can help me to design a program that, that suits uh, the individual needs of, of different groups of people. So we're working through from the PGR community through to ECRs, through to more senior researchers who might not still have any impact experience. So we're trying to do it across the board, but tailor it to individual needs. So I think that's something Davina can maybe explain a little bit more about. Yeah. Um, so, so again, there's going to be a theme running through this, which is this, this strategic, long-term thinking about building capacity. And what I like about this is how you've got an impact plan. There's, there's a long-term strategy here, and that is what is driving um, your, your training agenda uh, and your filling gaps uh, as required, but in a very targeted way that then contributes to your RAS strategy, but uh, to your, your broader impact in the long term. Um, I wonder if you can tell me a little bit about uh, how this feels from your perspective, um, doing training yourself, um, and I think especially someone who's come into this uh, without so much uh, experience in impact roles um, before. Uh, and. Um, and uh, from my from from my side of the fence, I think there are there are real benefits of doing internal training in house within your own team, uh, for your academic community, but also in terms of your own career um, and your own personal professional uh, development. 
Uh, and, uh, and I wonder what you would say to, um, to other people in roles like yours who frankly feel quite terrified by the prospect of training. Academics of all people, uh, I mean, it's, it's a pretty hard bunch, as to be said. Um, uh, and, uh, and standing up there, uh, how have you gotten over the, that, that barrier? Um, uh, and what are some of the benefits that you're seeing in terms of your own professional development, uh, those in your team who are doing this, uh, their professional development, and, and the academic community that you serve by doing that? Well, I've, I've started small, so um, rather than facing a massive room of people, which is obviously very intimidating, I have done uh, training for much smaller audiences, uh, generally PGRs, because I find them actually very receptive, and because I worked previously with PGRs, I, 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 I know how to speak to them and what ticks their boxes, and it just seems like an easy audience. I think they're, they're very receptive, they take on board what you say, they're happy to interact, they're probably an easier group of people to deal with than academics as you alluded to before uh, so I've started started with that I've actually got it built into my own PDR now that I want to increase the number of workshops that I run and training that I do myself so I am setting myself a target to make sure that I do stick to that and actually do keep engaging because if I don't speak to the academic community myself I feel like the message will get lost if the if the impact coordinator isn't involved in that process then you know, there's something wrong really. So it's making sure I'm getting my face out there and people know that they can come to me. I do still, I'd say I still prefer to do smaller group sessions. So even one-to-one -one training, I'd rather speak to a, a small group of people and hear about their direct experiences rather than talking at, at a large, larger group. Uh, but um, yeah, I, I guess it it does it it just depends on on the situation. We you know it's, sometimes it's easier to talk to a larger group, especially with ref coming up. Um, we've we've had several meetings where you know we've we've been trying to explain exactly what we're trying to do in terms of impact, in terms of outputs and environment. So we've had a series of meetings, and I've I've been uh, you know a part of those, um, and we have Q and A sessions, and that's that's been a useful way of engaging with the academics, I think as well. But um, through the the impact action plans that I, I've set up. I'm having one-to-one -one meetings or I'm involving the, it, the school impact coordinator in those as well. So we're actually having individualized sessions. We're talking through what impact is if they don't understand that, what kind of training we can do for them, how we can help them meet their objectives, setting them targets. So I find that, that the more personalized approach actually works a lot better. Nice. So um, uh, this this one to one um, and small group kind of thing is a bit of a win win in terms of this is it's an easy way to start. Um, uh, it's it's less intimidating for someone um, uh, who's who's beginning. Um, but actually, the, the the researcher also gets better value from that as well. You can do more tailored um, uh, uh, expert advice. Uh, so so great. Uh, and uh, and also there you're building your visibility as a team, uh, your credibility, trust in you, uh, and ultimately you're going to have to all work very closely together. So I think it's really important, um, and I think it sends a, a slightly worrying message if you don't do any training uh, as a team, and um, and uh, and probably an inaccurate uh, message based on the expertise that you have um, that wouldn't be appropriate. So so. So really good um, in terms of how you build uh, that that trust and those relationships um, and then move forward together. Now, uh, moving to, to, to Davina, um, uh, so uh, this is uh, Davina Whitnall, researcher developer at University of Sol Salford, that is your, uh, your title. Um, uh, 
We, we've been talking about um, what, you've, uh, you're, what you're doing here and um, uh, I'm going to be helping you do a more formal evaluation of that just to look longer term over the coming years at uh, the impacts that, that derive from this. But um, from talking to you, uh, already some quite interesting um, benefits arising from this very long-term approach. Um, tell us a little bit now uh, about, uh, first of all, um, how you interact with, with Emma uh, and her team, uh, and then uh, about this, 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 this programming that you're doing for, for your researchers. So the, the work that um, I do with Emma um, and as a, a team collectively um, is really around co-creating a strong programme of support um, and we're really keen to um, co-create not just between teams across so sections um, and in a lot of places and Salford's no exception you can find different teams working in silos um, and not right across um, the board so we work very closely together and break down those barriers so a co-created product will ultimately, um, but then also working with um, our academic communities and our research communities. Um, we have, as I say, uh, impact leads and other um, academics who feed into that agenda. So very much the training that we put in place is a co-created product. And um, it's not always internal, so we do feed off um, the external communities that we serve, and we have good connections with a lot of community groups, with the NHS, with other industries who obviously feed into that um, because there actually are uh, the people we're trying to serve or the communities we're trying to serve with the impact that we deliver. So that co-created model is really, really important and we, we forge a, um, a training programme based around that. The work that we do more generally is focused on personalisation so um, Emma's spoken a, a bit about the one-to-one -one meetings and approach but we, we take that um, even further with the training so we offer um, a, a training approach which is bespoke right down to the individual researcher and we recently um, developed um, three-year plans where we can see forward three years which helps us plan not just the resource we need for the next three years but focus on the key areas so rather um, what has historically happened is sort of put our finger in the air and think what is the direction to travel um, and also uh, develop a, a programme which is just in line with the university objectives we can actually do it down to individual um, objectives as well so we, we're co-creating a programme um, of training um, around individuals objectives uh, we're also um, dovetailing that in with opportunity so we have a strong ethos that um, if you uh, have a, a piece of training you go along to it which is great um, a week or two later it may be forgotten unless you actually do something practical with that so um, we also provide an opportunity as a follow-up within um, a week two weeks depending on the the type of um, training delivered so a good example is today so we've we've had a number of different impact training sessions and what we're doing in two weeks time um, is a series of media training um, to really pull up on that. Um, we also um, further forward have a, a festival of research which is another opportunity for researchers to engage and we push those opportunities as well as um, the training activity so um, it's easy for a participant coming along to training to not only get a lot from that training itself but plan forward and put it into practice and that's really where the, the real learning and development happens and hopefully as a result they see a real outcome as well as um, just turning up for the training. 
Great. So just zooming out to, to kind of try and see the architecture of this. So uh, Emma, you've spoken about um, uh, an overarching impact plan uh, and how you're then identifying the, the key training needs and, and capacity needs um, from your perspective strategically. And then in collaboration with Davina, then co-creating um, a long-term program of, of training uh, and other capacity building type things. Uh, and uh, and then um, at the level of that training program, we've then got this three-year process that, that you go through, which is personalized to the individual researcher. Tell me a little bit more, Davina, um, about uh, what that looks like from the perspective of the researcher. How personalized can it be? Maybe give some examples. And tell me what kind of reaction you're getting from researchers. So we have um, different levels of personalisation. Um, I, I guess the least personalised personalisation level is to bring people together as a group and um, enable and facilitate them to work together with similar research interests. Um, and that builds on, on work that um, Sandy's done at, at Warwick um, based around that model of bringing groups of people together and really tailoring the opportunities. Um, the next level is a more detailed level where we look at um, the development need in a bit more detail so we can plan um, a series of training, a schedule of training for that individual and again connect them to others um, who may be interested in also taking part within that training. And then the most detailed piece of personalisation is an individualised training plan and coaching to support them. So um, it's that sense of encouragement and that sense of direction um, but also a whole network of support. So not just the training, but um, development activities, opportunities, um, and also access to other staff and resources to complement that. So it's part of a, a bigger project and um, it's a very different approach with what happens more broadly, which is sort of the scattergun effect that we, we put this training out there and hope people come and um, we find that that's not always the case. We've, we've started doing the the tailoring so um, just at the end of the, the session today um, one of the participants said oh thank you for that email um, it's it clearly put it on my radar and I decided to come along today because of that so already this bespoke tailoring approach is starting to gather some traction and hopefully um, we'll get to the stage where we're, we're not doing a, a scattergun or blanket um, effect but we are focused on groups of individuals. Brilliant. So uh, I wonder if you can tell me a little bit more about how um, how researchers are responding to this. So um, it sounds like you're getting um, stronger attendance, which is a perennial problem. Um, but tell me a little bit more about the reactions that you're getting um, and, and what this what this means to people uh, and uh, what they're now able to do as a result of this. Uh, and um, uh, I, I wonder, uh, because this is so personalised, um, uh, whether there is also uh, a bit of a, at least when you get to the coaching scale, there's a bit of a pastoral element to this as well. 
Yes, so um, people, our researchers are, are actually quite surprised that we, number one, care. Perhaps they didn't think we did, but we do. Um, and also I think it's easy for messages to get lost in what seems to be a, a blanket approach. Um, so there is an element of surprise. Uh, there's also a, a will and enthusiasm to get on and do certain activities. So whether it's attending um, a training session or series of training sessions, or whether it's actually turning up to other activities because you've got somebody else in their corner championing them, them to, to do it and to, to support them. Um, so from that point of view, I, I think they're surprised and encouraged. I think also the other um, positive outcome is that there's an opportunity to, to meet like-minded people rather than mere coincidence. So um, we hear stories of people going to a conference or to a piece of training and actually having good conversations and connections being made. And we'd like to um, continue that sort of idea, but in a more strategic way. So if we can get people together in the, in the same room who have similar interests, um, perhaps diverse backgrounds, but even so, similar interests encourage those conversations to take place. Um, then we're we're really encouraging that networking and that uh, potential collaboration to happen. Brilliant. So, so finally, I want to uh, to come to Sandy Sparks. Uh, so, you are um, organisational development consultant at University of Warwick. And um, you've been doing some similar things uh, in Warwick. And uh, I wonder, can we swap notes here? Um, it, uh, to what extent is this very similar? Where are the points of difference with what you're doing? Um, and and how is this working for, for you, Sandy? Thank you. Um, interestingly enough, I think a lot of similarities. So we've taken a, a different approach um, where we have on one side uh, the opportunity for building capability and capacity for the research active staff. So that's staff on research focused, teaching focused and research and teaching uh, contracts. And it's about responding to need. It's about building a community. It's about having a range of opportunities. So on the one side we have, um, I've had to talk about five thematic areas, one around leadership, the second around career development, the third around skills with that academic writing, impact, open access. The fourth is around that intercultural area of unconscious bias, those sort of areas. And finally, looking at um, creativity, innovation, doing things differently. So those would be some of the generic or general opportunities for people. But at no stage do we limit it as per your grade or your dis description. So you could do leadership training, for instance, 101, or decide that you want to do 102, realize actually, I want to actually go back and do number one. Um, so that's that side. But on the other side, we've done a lot of one-to-one -one support. And what's been very exciting is, is linking to some of the work at today's session was talking a little bit about impact. And so what we've done there has been looking at a couple of areas. So we've have the opportunity of the research active staff they have network funding. We also have some of our leadership programs, our preparing for leadership, our leadership in action. And we also have one-to-one -one support, whether that's around uh, coaching and mentoring, career development, leadership, 
whether it's around your academic writing. And one of the things that we've done is annually we actually do an impact report. And we ask people, it's undertaken independently by a researcher so that that person doesn't feel they have to be nice to say something nice because it's my training um, provision that I lead on. And with the impact um, reports that we do, we do them annually. And we have some of them we've actually done since 2012. And we actually connect back with those individuals each year to find out what they're doing. We, we map that to an impact framework. So we're looking at things like the reaction, the learning, the behavior, as well as the outcomes. And actually hearing how people have got funding or benefited from their confidence. So uh, a lot of what's already been said both um, by both people before, uh, the idea of supporting individuals, co-creating, being there so that the individual is seen as primary, but the drivers, I think, are things like the institutional benefit, the department benefit, it links to the strategy of the organization, but also the strategy of the UK government funders, uh, the international, the global environment in which the re researchers are working. So it's preparing them for a number of environments. Brilliant, thank you. I, I I wonder, some people listening to this may be thinking, well, that's great for you guys, um, but there's no way we've got the resource to do to do that one-to-one. -one. Uh, are you serious? Um, so so what is it? Is it that you're just um, uh, better resourced than, than other groups? Um, uh, or uh, is this that you're highly targeting? Uh, and if so, then how do you target um, who gets those opportunities? Um, I wish it was about resource. Um, working at the institution, I, there is only me on an 80% contract that leads that provision. But it's about actually co-creating it, um, working with individuals in departments, but also buying in external expertise and support, say for instance in academic writing or in impact around research impact case studies. So it's buying in the support when we need it, but mostly it's about having a joined up vision rather than a random uh, knee-jerk reaction. Um, it's also about creating communities of individuals. So some people, it's about that peer community. It's about that network, those groups of people who can help each other. An example I'll use there is, is around promotion. So um, we can then help and direct people. You may be a research fellow looking to talk to somebody who's a senior research fellow. They can share. They're happy to talk to you about that. They're happy to even share maybe maybe their promotion um, application um, because they've been there, done that, bought the T-shirt or have the T-shirt. And so it's the opportunity of also, once you've been maybe the recipient of that, you're quite happy to help somebody else later. So it's about building a community. It's about building a network. It's also about just today, as an example, working with other institutions, um, working together rather than trying to be quite silo and individual. Uh, we have a finite resource. There's more and more demands on what we're needing to do uh, constantly for researchers, research active staff, teaching staff. There's just more and more and more. There's never anything coming off. Um, and it's about how we can actually support each other um, just as much for the researchers. And Yeah, so I can see how that works to an extent. So I'm going to... 
um, do some group-based stuff. Uh, I'm going to have a, a mentoring scheme um, amongst peers, uh, and that spreads the load to an extent. But you're you, you're on 80%. Um, Davino, I don't know how many people you've got in your team. Um, uh, and you both have this one-to-one -one element uh, in this. Uh, do you hire in teams of coaches? Um, uh, or, or to what extent is this, uh, is this about being very highly targeted? And if so, how do you do that targeting? I think um, the, the challenge is, yes, we'd all like more resource and um, we're, within uh, teams we're, we're limited and often dealing with um, part contracts or a percentage of a, a person uh, makes it very difficult and also to have that level of consistency um, all the time. But I think... Um, Having a strategy is really important because it means you can prioritise what you do. Um, and although it seems quite resource intensive on the surface to um, deliver things in a one-to-one -one capacity and very personalised, actually in the longer term it's less resource intensive because you're being very targeted. Um, so one sort of common um, anomaly of the um, sort of training sort of circuit, for want of a better way of putting it, is the fact that you end up having to repeat sessions over and over again because uh, people can't attend um, or you haven't got numbers so it takes away the necessary um, the need to actually repeat those sessions you can run instead of running four sessions you can run two sessions and make sure they're full um, and actually fill that time doing something else so perhaps a, an opportunity so there's still four points of contact but actually only two of them are training the other two are opportunities so it makes the approach much more economical it's almost like a, a piece of cake you, you can't cut any more slices but you can change the way you slice it so um that's i think one of the things that we we end up doing um i don't know if you want to I'd absolutely agree with what you've said. Um, that hence that need of having um, training, but also the the individual bespoke training. Um, certainly, a couple of things about the individual. We have a very small budget. We have you know maybe one or two additional coaches, so it's not like there are hundreds that we incorporate. And that's mainly in areas of specialisation around academic writing, maybe around research data management, where there's a particular need. So when people actually uh, put the online booking form in. They actually state specifically what they are not wanting, needing, and in order to do what. How are they going to measure this? And as an example, when we do the impact report, I don't ask them for what was discussed in those individual meetings, but it's about what did you do as a result of that individual intervention? Where else, you know, why couldn't you have done it without that individual intervention? What else, um, where else could you have got that help or that signposting, etc.? And then again, what else could you do to help? What could you do to give back? Um, but where there is the opportunity sometimes, and particularly you've got to take your opportunity, so linking to your idea of being strategic. Um, recently, with obviously the focus of the REF, um, we have the opportunity, our PVC for research has provided some bespoke specialist funding for the next year, which is around one-to-one -one support, supporting academics who are needing to consider their REF, whether it's about publishing, whether it's about impact, whether it's about impact case studies. So sometimes there's about targeted resources, when there's a need for it or it's really important, but also making sure that other people are not forgotten. So if you're not a refable person, that you're still considered because you're there for the next ref. Uh, so it's how we build capacity going forward.
Fantastic. That's really clear and, and, and achievable, I think. Um, well, you can decide yourself if you're listening, if you think, yeah, I could do that. Uh, but ask yourself that question. Um, one, one final question I'm going to put to, to Davina now. Um, uh, so uh, uh, as I was um, uh, researching uh, your work um, uh, as part of this collaboration we've been developing um, around uh, yeah, analysing what you're doing here, um, uh, I discovered that, uh, that you've written two very relevant books um, which inform your practice and, uh, and, and your own training um, practice. Uh, so you also do um, consultancy uh, work as a trainer outside Salford as well. Um, and, um, and I wonder if you might be able to just uh, to tell us about those two books and some of the key messages um, that link to our discussion today. So the, um, the, the two books that are written, um, one which is particularly niche but relevant, which is called ER Stories, which is enabling researcher stories. Um, and it's really a reflection on um, working with researchers through the doctorate, so at PGR level and beyond. And um, what's really interesting, uh, and it's a piece of reflective practice more so than anything else, is how um, researchers respond to different initiatives, so such as REF, um, and also uh, training which is on offer. I think um, one of the key messages within um, the, that particular book is to look at the wraparound support. So some of the work that Emma's doing is really, really relevant, that one-to-one -one, um, linking and supporting with, with her teams and also what, what Sandy's doing, um, being able to provide a range of support and really get to the crux of what it was that um, an individual wants or needs out of the training. Um, one of the uh, key messages within the book is um, triage, which is actually triaging and getting to that real need um, because what we think we want and what we think we need are separate things and actually um, we don't always get what we want but we may get what we need to to quote a very famous song um, but I think uh, the, the, the key message is thinking about um, researcher development in quite a holistic way rather than just um, bums on seats at uh, training or actually outputs um, in relation to REF or whatever other currency that you choose to use. The second book um, is called Catch Up, um, the confidence building confi um, condiment and the idea for Catch Up um, is confidence has an awful lot um, to do with um, how we do things, our success, um, our failure and also our approach and um, it is like a condiment, it can really uh, excel and um, complement what's already there and bring out the best in individuals and that's a more generalist book, um, it's not a at researchers or a niche area in particular but talks about developing confidence and doing it in a way that feels very authentic to you individually often when we ask of confidence people feel that um, they're faking it until they make it and that's a relevant strategy and works for some people but not everybody and um, within the researcher and academic community there's extroverts there's introverts um, the extroverts are probably more likely to fake it until they make it but what do we do with the introverts? How can we support them and develop their confidence? And what we need is quite a different approach. And it has to feel real. It has to feel authentic. And if you're doing something that feels real and authentic, it's easier to do. Um, and you're more likely to do it and sustain it. So those are the key messages within uh, Ketchup. 
Thank you. I've, I've got a copy of, uh, of your catch-up book here. Um, it, it's witty, it's, uh, it's short, um, uh, and I think, uh, yeah, most, most academics I know um, feel like they're faking it um, and they're never making it. Um, uh, the, the imposter syndrome thing, it, it's, a, it's a real thing, and I think what is really good about this is you've got the, the, the tips um, and the tricks and, and really practical strategies, but at the core of this um, uh, is that authenticity that you're talking about, really understanding uh, quite deeply who you are as a researcher, what you have to, to offer and believing in that. Uh, and then that's the foundation upon which you can then use all of those, uh, all of those strategies. Uh, and I think um, to, to conclude uh, this, for me, uh, in terms of capacity building, um, it's, it's about motivation, uh, it's about skills, um, and then ultimately it becomes uh, about confidence. Uh, and I think that uh, as we as a sector think about what we need to achieve, to skill up um, uh, and equip and facilitate researchers to achieve change, to achieve good uh, in, in this world. Uh, we need to, to start by understanding the motives of researchers, what they're taking to this uh, and engaging uh, individually uh, because we're, we're all very different. Um, and I think that this personalized approach and especially the one-to-one -one, um, element in here uh, enables us to, to not have that one size fits all and you should all be amazing at impact and want to do this. Yeah? There are a lot of us who don't actually want to do impact. That's not why we came into to research. Uh, and I think uh, coming at that from, well, what are my intrinsic motivations and what, what can I then take into impact from that that actually satiates my desire for new knowledge that, that drives that curiosity or whatever it is. Um, there's there's a, a huge missing step from a lot of things um, that, that I'm involved with around uh, around impact, where we just make a bunch of assumptions that well everyone wants to make a, a difference, surely, uh, but actually well maybe not, uh, and uh, and that that personalised approach enables you to take that that more empathic uh, approach, uh, and. And then skills, well, great, um, and, and we can learn lots of things, and you're giving people the chance not only to learn, but to practice those skills, great, um, over time. Uh, but, but ultimately, it's the confidence that we need, whether that's the confidence, uh, as Emma was talking about at the beginning, to get out there and say, you know what, uh, I've got something to offer, um, uh, and I'm going to uh, develop my own training here. Uh, or whether this is uh, academics um, being given the opportunities to create their own safe spaces, to try out the things that, that they've learned uh, so that, uh, that they actually build confidence uh, over time. Uh, but ultimately, that's, uh, it's a deep approach, um, just giving people skills um, and kind of dropping it there, leaving it there uh, with nothing before, nothing after, uh, is, in my experience, uh, more likely to lead to uh, failure um, and uh, embarrassment and things going wrong uh, than to anything that is sustainable or, or actually genuinely does work in terms of enabling those researchers to do what we all ideally want to make the world a better place. So, uh, Emma, uh, thank you very much, uh, Davina uh, and Sandy, a really insightful uh, set of thoughts today, uh, and I hope you all feel inspired to go and think about your own training needs uh, in a more strategic way, uh, and think about how you train and equip and inspire others uh, in a much more holistic and joined-up way than ever before. <laughs>